This episode is brought to you by SeatGeek. Anthony and I both love these guys and are super proud to include them as a sponsor on the show this week. When Anthony and I visited all 30 ballparks, the SeatGeek app helped save us a ton of money and time. SeatGeek is basically a ticket aggregator that lists all the tickets on the secondary market and ranks them based on value. You can get views from the seats and you can compare prices. So like if someone is selling their ticket for 100 bucks in row five, you can see if someone from a different site is selling their seat for, I don't know, 90 bucks in row four. I can't tell you how many times I've ended up spending less money for a better seat because of this app. And the beauty is the price that you see on the app is the final price. So all the nonsense ticket fees that some of these, uh, I won't mention their names, but some of these sites like to tack on there before you check out. SeatGeek shows you the final price before you hit checkout. Uh, it's probably the most used app on my phone behind MLB at bat. I just, I really genuinely love these guys. I pretty much don't buy tickets from any other source these days. So. If you guys want to support the show, download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code, enter promo code clubhouse, and SeatGeek will send you 20 bucks after you've made your first purchase. This is going to save you guys money and it's going to help keep this show free. So thank you SeatGeek for sponsoring the show. On to this week's episode. This week on the Clubhouse, our stadium series rolls on as we move from the West Coast to the Midwest to discuss Target Field, the home of the Minnesota Twins. Anthony is currently touring the country with his hit Broadway musical, If Then. Go to ifthenthemusical.com slash tour to find out when he is coming to your town. Over the next couple of months, Anthony and I will be dedicating one episode to every team, and we'll be discussing why we think you should visit each and every one of their home ballparks. We are also including episodes from my Rounding Third podcast, which features interviews that I did with fans I met as I made my 17,000-mile drive across the country to attend a live ball game at all 30 stadiums. There are also some truly amazing guests that we have lined up for our more regular episodes that we'll be sprinkling in every couple of weeks or so, so make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss out on one of our wonderful guests. This episode was recorded in the Oakwood Apartments in Los Angeles, California. Welcome to the show, everybody. It's a wonderful day for baseball. My name is Manish Jain. Sitting next to me, as always, is Mr. Anthony Rapp. No, you're sitting next to me. <laughs> All right, fine. So uh, sitting next to him, as always, is Manish Jain. You are Anthony Rapp. And now you're speaking of yourself in the third person, and it's just gotten weird. <laughs> so on today's uh, stadium series, uh, as we continue our, our stadium series, we are discussing, we're, we're, we're heading to the Midwest. We're discussing the land of Prince. My old stomping grounds. The land of Kirby Puckett. The land that used to house the Metrodome, but now. When is you home said Prince to... at first, I thought you were talking about Prince Fielder, but no, you meant like. No, Prince. Prince. The, 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 Purple the, Rain yeah, Prince. Purple Rain Prince, yeah. <laughs> Minneapolis. <laughs> Minneapolis. <Target> Field, <laughs> Minneapolis. The home of the Twinkies, the home of the Minneapolis Twins. Yeah. The Minneapolis Twins or the Minnesota Twins. Min yeah, they're not the Minneapolis them. Twins. They're the Minnesota <laughs> Twins. And those St. Paul fans are now angry at you. I'm so sorry. Minnie and Paul are going to shake hands and make everything better. Yeah. But uh, Target Field, sir, we went to that ballpark together. Yeah. 
and I I liked it when when we first walked in. I felt it was a little like I wasn't. I'm not sure exactly what the word is that I'm looking for. Um, it's sort of set into. It almost looks like it's set into the ground. Yep. Right. Yes. Absolutely. I wasn't sure what well, I. Well, because when you walk that. in from street level, you have to go down yeah. to get to feel. So yeah. it is. It's, yeah, it's, it's sort of carved into the ground. Yes. Yeah. So I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about that. And then once we were, because we got there early, because we did an interview with their one of their official scorekeepers or their official mm -hmm. scorekeeper, Stu Thornley. Um, go listen to that episode. He is utterly fascinating. So uh, we were, you know, we got there plenty early. There was nobody around, pretty much. And then, but when I came back out when we came back out for the game and it was very fully populated by fans and it was a beautiful midsummer day, like perfect baseball weather day. Uh, I actually then enjoyed the atmosphere much more with all, with people in the stadium. You know, there's some stadiums when you walk in and it's, it's kind of a cathedral anyway, and it has its own life, even when there aren't bodies yes. in the seats. I wouldn't say the target field has that, but with people in the seats, it felt very, 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 alive and and very comfortable and really uh I, I would definitely recommend going to a game there yeah no it's it's uh i had never been to the metrodome i'd seen many many games uh on television at the metrodome and it just looked like uh, an awful place yes. to watch a baseball game yes and i was over the moon excited when uh the news broke that they would not be doing a retractable roof at Target Field and that they would have an open air stadium. And, you know, the first time that I went there, it's it's outside of the park. And and we spent a little time outside of the park. Yeah. Um where like so they've got so the Target Center is right next to Target Field, which is where the uh Minnesota Timberwolves play their National Basketball Association games. And so there's kind of like this this little uh I mean courtyard, I don't know if it's the right word because it's mostly like plaza. But plaza, there you go. Plaza. I think it's actually called Target Plaza. Um that kind of is in between the two uh stadiums there. And it's Inside there, they've got a lot of really cool statues. They have the Kirby Puckett statue. Mm -hmm. they got the Poland statues, the the old owners uh, of, of the team. That's a husband and wife that are kind of embracing each other. The Polads, I believe. The Killebrew. Uh, the Killebrew statue. Um, but my favorite thing is the giant bronze glove that they have seated um, outside of the concourse. And I believe, if I remember, that the, where that sits is... Um, where in their old ballpark, uh, Met Stadium, I believe it was called, um, where uh, the longest home run was hit or something like that is where that that glove is sitting now. And that glove represents all of the gold glove winners in the history of uh, the Twins franchise. And it's really cool just because, once again, the Carney in me. I love it. And and you see people before every game going and sitting and, and relaxing in this giant bronze mitt and getting their pictures taken. And it's kind of a fun little thing. Absolutely. Um, there's good food. There's a quite wide variety. There was food. Indian food there. I yeah. think, I think this is the park where I had Indian food at for the first time ever at a, at a baseball game, which yeah. was pretty interesting. So I guess there must be a sizable Indian population in the Minneapolis area. Uh, or maybe cities. people just like Indian food. Yeah. I mean, it's, it doesn't have to. I, I don't know if there is. I have no idea. But it's it's Indian food and baseball never really felt like something that went, went hand in hand. But I enjoyed my, my meal there. And I yeah. think that that's something that, you know, let's get some variety out there. That's, that's a good move, Minnesota. So it's a very, very nice, pleasant 
ballpark. Yep. Which they, is like appropriate because Minneapolis is a very, very nice, pleasant city in my experience. Oh, yeah. We had a lovely so it feels time. feels very there. in keeping with the sort of spirit of the place, which is also always nice when something, you know, fits. And they also, before every game, they have a veteran uh, uh, hoist the flag up, which I always think is nice, you know, because they, you know, a lot of ballparks do a lot of stuff for the military and for uh, uh, our troops and whatnot, which sometimes it can feel forced. Sometimes it can feel a little, you know, especially wedged. after we found out that the Pentagon actually pays money sometimes to promote. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely it is it feels propaganda -y at some point here and there, um, you know, and so it's kind of I'm I'm of two minds of it because. For the veterans who are doing it, I know it means the world to them. Absolutely. And it's so amazing and it's so wonderful and beautiful and to see the looks on their faces is awesome. Um, which is, I like the way they do it at Target Field because it is, it's in keeping with, you know, something that they would be, you know, raising the flag is is something that they do on their bases and they do, you know, and, and so, um, you know, we do sing the national anthem before every game. And so, you know, that is something that we've all agreed is something that we're, we're okay with doing. So having a veteran hoist a flag, I think is a pretty cool moment there. Absolutely. And we uh, saw, and we saw a pretty fun game. Uh, it was a mostly a tight ball game and then it sort of broke open a little yeah. bit in the later innings. Yeah. But the twins did walk away with a victory. Yeah, no, I mean, it was a fun, fun day, uh, out there in right field. They have, um, basically much like the flag court in, uh, Baltimore, where there's kind of a, a lot of open space, there's a lot of open space in their right field behind their bleachers where if you want to catch a home run during batting practice, that is the place I recommend you go because balls just fly out of that part of the ballpark. Um, so there's a lot of really fun little quirks in, in that stadium. But yeah, it is, it's pleasant. I think pleasant is the right way to, to put that. Uh, but we've actually talked a lot about Target Field in our Stu Thornley episode of the podcast. So we're not going to sit here and bore you with too much more Target Field nonsense. Go back and listen to uh, that episode if you really want to hear our detailed thoughts on Anthony's first trip to Target Field. Uh, we're going to leave you now with the rounding third uh, segment of this podcast where I interviewed uh, a young man and his friends about kind of the the struggles that the twins have been going through over the last several years since 2010 they really I mean, they had a, a surprisingly good 2015 but you know they've, they've had a couple of, of rough years but how that team still the, the fan base still supports that team it still comes out and yells and screams and, and and fills out ballpark and you know it's that's something that's really I, I like that about the midwest places like kansas city places like minnesota places you know they will continue they may not sell out every game but they're at least three-fourths full you know for almost every game even when their teams are struggling which i appreciate you know i do too gotta support your teams even when they're struggling yes so uh, anything else you'd like to say about uh, target field mr rap um i'm just grateful to have been in minneapolis in warmer weather because i'd only ever been there in like very very cold weather yeah yeah it's and beautiful it's a, really, it's a really nice place it is yeah uh, and we stayed in the suburbs and, and we, yeah, we had that, that great kind of suburban Minnesota experience and it was very, very calm and lovely and green yeah. and, you know, stayed next to a, you know, a nice little golf course country club and it just felt very, very Midwestern, you know, a throwback to, I know how I grew up and I'm sure, you know, it's somewhat similar to how you grew up in the, in the suburbs of, uh, Chicago there. So ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next time here in the clubhouse.
We're just going to take a brief break so that I can tell you how to get in touch with Anthony or me. You can follow us on Twitter at ClubhousePod. Visit our website, clubhousepodcast.com, for extensive links and information about some of the baseball moments we discussed on the show. There are also photos from our cross-country road trip for you to peruse at your leisure. We love hearing from our listeners and getting you involved with the discussion. So please email us at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about your favorite baseball stories, your favorite baseball films, why your team or ballpark is so special. Or honestly, just if you want to say hello. If you are a new listener to the Clubhouse Podcast, welcome. For more great baseball conversations, take a look at our archives, like our chat with film and television actor Joey Slotnick. In this episode, Joey relives the memory of being in attendance for the infamous Steve Bartman game at Wrigley Field. So incredibly exciting. And I remember people around me, you know, when it got to it, it was like five more outs. I heard five more outs, five more outs. And they were saying it out loud. And I thought Don't to myself, I thought to myself, what do you, what do you, please, please be quiet. Don't oh say anything. God. And then, and then this thing happened. And of course there were, there's no replay. Uh-huh. You don't see a replay, but there was this, you know, off to like in front of me and just to the so left. you could see it. Oh yeah, my God. Yeah. And, and you just kind of didn't know, you know what I mean? Like everyone stood up when the, when, cause you thought Moises was going to catch it. And then, then he, you know, of course a little up, upset by it and kind of running oh. around and then, but you didn't know. And so people of course around you had headphones on, you kind of looked here, but it was, everyone was standing up and there was a buzz and you weren't quite sure what was going on. Welcome everybody to another episode of Rounding Third with the Manesh Jane. Today's episode, the Minnesota Twins and Target Field. For those of you who may be sick of hearing me talk about the open roof versus closed roof debate, you may want to skip this episode because what they've done in Minnesota is the perfect litmus test for whether or not you're a true baseball fan. From 1982 till 2009, the Minnesota Twins played in the Metrodome. For those of you who never got a chance to see a game at the Metrodome, be very happy that you missed out on that abomination. Watching a game inside of that place was miserable. In addition to your standard complaints about playing inside, you know, you've got your, your regulated air temperature, not being able to feel the breeze in your face, just the overall atmosphere really not being what you would expect at a baseball game. The roof was actually built so low that there were many instances where the ball would bounce off of whether it be a piece of scaffolding or a speaker or something that was hanging down that would immediately dead the ball. So you'd have a lot of unnecessary ground rule doubles or foul balls that may have been able to have been caught by someone in the infield but had struck something inside of the Metrodome. Overall, it was simply just a wacky place to catch a baseball game. Now, most of my knowledge of the Metrodome comes from watching games on TV, as well as talking to some of the locals. But what I can say with absolute certainty is that this new Target Field, built in 2010, or I should say opened in 2010, rather, is so far and beyond an upgrade to the Metrodome that all future ballparks, I want you to take note. This was a city that went from playing indoors for the last couple of decades to deciding, you know what, even though we are way up here at the top of the country, it gets cold in Minnesota, it gets snowy in Minnesota, it gets rainy in Minnesota, we are not going to have a retractable roof. We have spent far too long playing with a dome over our skulls 
it's over. We are going to deal with the weather like grown-ups, and we're going to actually have some fun here in Minneapolis. And I could not be happier for the people of Minnesota to have a stadium, finally, that they can be proud of. <laughs> you know, I just realized, though, that because of the fine open-air stadium that they have now built in downtown Minneapolis, it forced me to buy a ticket to another game that I was not planning on going to because my trusty little weather app was telling me that there was a 90% chance of thunderstorms. Not a 90% chance of rain, a 90% chance of thunderstorm. Apparently, rain was just inevitable. There was a 90% chance of thunderstorms on the day that I had my ticket for a game. So as much as I was a little bit tired from my cross-country journey, um, which if you would like to hear more about, check out my podcasts on the Mariners and the uh, Dodgers, where I talk a little bit more in depth about the wacky journey that my amazing mother and I took from Seattle to LA and then LA to uh, Minnesota. But I was very tired. I, I drove in on a Sunday anticipating that Monday would be my off day and I'd be able to get some rest and relaxation. And then Tuesday, I'd go to the game as scheduled. But the forecast for Tuesday was terrifying. So I decided, you know what? I want to make sure that I get my game in on time. So I bought a ticket to Monday's game as well. Now, I can say this since both the games are now finished. There was not a drop of rain either day. In fact, Monday's weather was actually probably a little bit worse than Tuesday's weather. So thank you, trusty weather app. I will never trust you again. Honestly, though, all that happened was I got to enjoy an extra nine innings of baseball, which I can never really complain about. And I'm glad I ended up buying a ticket to this uh, second game here in Minnesota because I was in attendance for the unveiling of the 2014 All-Star Game logo. That's right. The 2014 All-Star Game will be held right here at Target Field. And they unveiled the pretty cool logo before the game. It features the Minneapolis skyline with the, uh, with the shadow of Target Field in the foreground and the 2014 All-Star Game in big block letters. You can see photos of the unveiling at roundingthird.net in my Minnesota Twins Target Field posting, the first of two postings that I made about this beautiful stadium. In addition to being there for the unveiling, going to a second game at Target Field also gave me the chance to really kind of take in all the surrounding areas. There is a relatively new phenomenon of city planners wanting to bring all of the different sports arenas into the same geographical location. So your basketball, hockey, football, and baseball stadiums are all being built relatively close to one another. So when it was time for the Twins to move out of the Metrodome and get their own baseball-only stadium, the city planners decided to put them right next to the Target Center, which is where the Minnesota Timberwolves, their basketball team, plays their home games. While the Metrodome is still a good 10-15 minute walk away from the new stadium and the Excel Energy Center, which is where the Minnesota Wild play their home games, that's uh, several miles away. The downtown Minneapolis area is really becoming the new hub for all things Minnesota sports. And with that comes some really great bars and restaurants that are in the surrounding areas. And honestly, just a really fun place to hang out. With Target Field and the Target Center now sharing essentially the same city block, 
they've been able to create something called Target Plaza, which is the area that is shared between the two stadiums. The plaza features several great statues that are honoring both Twins players and owners from days gone by, including uh, former owners Calvin Griffith and the Polads, Carl and Eloise, as well as former uh, Twins greats Rod Carew, Kirby Puckett, Ken Herbeck, and of course the great legendary Harmon Killebrew. Which leads me to my favorite installation inside of Target Plaza, and I'm sure many of yours as well, the giant gold glove that is parked exactly 520 feet away from home plate, which is the distance that the aforementioned Harmon Killebrew hit the longest home run in the history of Metropolitan Stadium. Now, the Metropolitan Stadium predates Target Field and predates the Metrodome as the original home for the Minnesota Twins all the way back in 1961 during their first year of existence. Once again, I have to say that I'm very happy that I decided to go to two games here at Target Field because on the first day that I went, I, there were thousands of princesses running around with sashes and tiaras on representing each one of the cities in Minnesota in some sort of, of uh, pageant. I'm not entirely sure exactly what was going on, but everywhere you looked, there were just groups and groups of young princesses running around. And so because of that, there was quite a long line to get a picture of yourself sitting inside of the big gold glove. So on day two, I came a little bit early and I made sure I got a picture of myself lounging very, very comfortably inside of this giant gold glove. Uh, once again, head over to uh, roundingthird.net to check out some of my photos from my experiences at Target Field. Now, unfortunately, going to two games at Target Field just did tremendous damage to my home win-loss record that I'm desperately trying to get above 500. The home teams have not been faring too well on this tour for me. In fact, the Twins were 0-2 for the two games that I went to, dropping both their games to the Royals. During Game 2, I ended up sitting behind a group of teenage kids that I just could not get enough of. It was incredibly exciting for me to sit behind these, these, these kids because they were just having so much fun and they were yelling and they were screaming and they were on their feet and they were engaged. I did not once see them on their phones or tablets or any sorts of these young contraptions that you young whippersnappers like to uh, uh, partake in these days. They were laser focused on the action on the field. And I found myself at times actually not watching the game, but watching these kids enjoy the game and smiling just as big. They were having such a good time that I couldn't stop myself. I had to pull one of them aside and just chat with him for a couple of minutes because I wanted to find out more about what it was about the game of baseball that made this young kid so passionate and so intense. And I'm telling you, he was not sitting down the entire game. He was just yelling and screaming, and it was, it was a lot of fun to watch him. Uh, his name is Luke. It's a quick four or five-minute interview. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you on the other side. All right, I'm sitting here at uh, Target Field with? Luke Graham. Luke, and it's nice to meet you. So uh, how old are you, man? I am 17 years old. 17 years old. You know, I've been traveling the country for the last couple of months, and you're here with a group of friends here, and I'm assuming you guys are all in your teens? Yes, we are. That's very exciting to me to see a group of teenagers coming out to the ballpark together. So uh, tell me, how long have you been a Twins fan for? My whole life. I used to go to games at the Metrodome, and I've always been a fan. Can you remember what your first memory is of seeing a game at the Metrodome? Um, I was pretty young, and it was against Colorado. I just remember the Twins kept walking players, and we lost. 
<laughs> yeah, that happens. Uh, what's it? So 17. So that's your. So then, you, how old you said you were? I'm 17. No, but, but when you went to your first game around? I don't. I must have been like four or five. Wow. All right. So let's see. I'm trying. Then I can remember. Of course, of course. I'm sure your folks brought you when you're a little one there. But so uh, now, now the Target Field has been built here. Kind of. Can you compare what the experience is like going to a game at the Metrodome versus coming to a game here at Target Field? Being outside is much better. Uh, being under the lights, being under the sun, it's an amazing ballpark, and I love it. <laughs> I do. That's good to hear. So now, can you tell me some of your favorite memories of coming to a ballpark here at Target Field? Um, I got to see a Jim Tomey home run in the first year, and that was awesome. And I think that was the last victory I've been to here. Really? Yeah. I've been coming. I've gone to a few games every one of the past few years, but they've always lost. Oh, no. <laughs> what are you doing? You're a jinx. I know. It's disappointing. That's all right. Well, hopefully we'll be able to turn around today against the Royals. One more, one more memory is I came to a game earlier this year, and I got to see Matt Harvey pitch against the Twins, and he took a no-hitter into the seventh inning. Yeah, he's one hell of a pitcher there. I mean, it'd be nice to see a little bit of uh, those young prospects come up in your farm system here. Yeah, it would be like, like Sano or Brian Buxton, Byron Buxton. Those players, when they come up, that'll be awesome. Yeah? yeah. So you're excited now, because that's the one thing about you know a rebuilding year. You guys had a great year in 2010, but now the last couple of years you've been struggling a little bit. Yeah. So uh, how do you keep your faith here as a fan? I don't know. I, I mean, I, I love the Twins. I live and die by the Twins. So I guess that keeps me going. So we got pretty good seats here for this game. How'd you score these tickets? Uh, my friend is very rich, and he can get us many seats. <laughs> Wait, is this your friend here yes, saying he no? Is. Hold on one second. So you got these seats for him? Yes, I did. How'd you score these tickets? Uh, my grandma and her friend uh, have season tickets right here. Uh, and then my mom also works for Nash Finch, so I get a bunch of other free tickets all over. That is very, very cool. Gotta love grandma. So, all right. Now, have you been to any other ballparks across the country? Uh, not that I can remember. Yeah? Okay, is there any ballpark that you would really like to go see? Uh, Fenway. Um, my dad is from New England, and we're huge Red Sox fans. Okay. Wait, wait. You're a huge Red Sox fan, or your dad's a big Red Sox fan? We both are. Oh, is that possible? It's possible. Red Sox don't have anything against the Twins. All right, but fine, but let's say it comes down to the ALCS, Twins, Red Sox, where do your loyalties lie? Twins, hands down. <laughs> All right, that, that's good to hear. All right, so then I'm going to wrap it up with this. Just can you tell me, if you, you know, as far as when you were a kid, what it was about the game of baseball that really you know, brought you on, that really connected you? Because nowadays, you know, I'm seeing in ballparks across the country that the young kids just aren't coming out. So when I see teenagers, that's something that really warms my heart. So what it is about this game, more so than football or basketball or hockey, that makes you really come out and follow this team every single year? Just the history behind it. The historical belt. No, no. Oh, no. And... You know what? Your jinx continues. I'm sorry. I'm blaming this on you. The Royals are now up one to nothing. Just uh, where, where was it? Just the whole culture of the game. I've loved it since I was a kid. I can't really explain why I love it. I just always have. So it is. So it's the fact that there is a little bit of American history and also just how old the game is. Uh, there's a lot to sink your teeth into. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Well, any other final uh, thoughts you have about this stadium and kind of what it means to the city and, and you know, just your experiences here? Uh. Within the next five years, the Twins will win a World Series. All right. Well, you heard it here first. Well, next year, you guys are going to be off to a good start. You unveiled the All-Star Game logo yesterday, so you'll be able to bring some cash into the city. Maybe you can use some of that to buy some nice players. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, thank you for interviewing me. I appreciate it. <laughs> no worries. I appreciate you uh, sitting down with me for a couple minutes here. Thanks a lot. Thank you. And we're back. So I hope you enjoyed my brief little chat with 
loop there, you can hear the excitement in a young kid's voice, but then you can hear just the frustration in, as we were talking there, the Royals had taken uh, a one-run lead, which eventually would prove to be enough to beat the uh, the Twins there as they lost 4-3. to three. But the thing that I absolutely loved about Luke and really about everybody that I met here in Minnesota was, let's face it, the Twins have not had much to cheer about for the last couple of years. Uh, I alluded to it in the interview there, but since 2010, they've really been towards the bottom of the American League Central. Yet, despite finishing in last place for the last couple of years, both games that I went to had at least 32,000, 33,000 people in the stands. And not only did they have 32,000, 33,000 people in the stands, but even when they were losing, the fans were still making some noise. And in the ninth inning, there were still quite a few people left sitting in the stands. You know, and that's one of the things that I feel doesn't get nearly enough attention from the national press. We hear a lot about fans leaving early. We hear, I've, I've mentioned fans leaving early uh, in, in places like L.A., in places like New York and, and St. Louis, and a lot of the cities that we consider to be, quote-unquote, the best baseball cities. Look, I've experienced it this summer. People have been leaving early. The eighth inning exodus happens in almost every ballpark that I go to. The only two that I really haven't seen it as extensively has been Kansas City and now here in Minnesota. Kansas City was phenomenal. When I was in Kansas City, ninth inning, they were losing 9-1 to against the White Sox, and nobody left. You know, Now, yes, to be fair, it was fireworks night, but guess what? I've been to fireworks nights at a lot of different stadiums, and they still empty out if their team is losing 9-1. to People still want to go home. Fireworks is fireworks. They happen every weekend at most of these ballparks. But to get back to Minnesota, you know, the fact that they've finished in last place the last couple of years and 2013 was in no way, shape, or form a season that I think any of their fans really wanted them to have, they still show up and they don't leave and they still support this team. And I really, really appreciate that about this fan base. Now, part of that might be because the ticket prices haven't become so exorbitantly expensive here that they've priced out the quote-unquote normal average, whatever you want to call it, fan. You know, I talked to one gentleman during one of my games here in Minnesota who has been a season ticket holder for, for years back in the Metrodome days and now at Target Field. And he was telling me how if he lived in pretty much any other city, he probably wouldn't be able to afford the seats that he got, especially you know for first season tickets. But because Minnesota has done a pretty good job of keeping their prices down, all that does is it builds the foundation for fans like Luke and fans younger than Luke to be able to come and sit behind home plate or sit close enough to the field where they can actually feel, hear, smell the action as opposed to sitting in sections 300, 400, or however high up your stadium might go to, where at that point, you know, it's a completely different game. I can appreciate sitting all the way up there because I do like watching the entire play develop and I do think there is a peaceful serenity to sitting all the way up there. But if you've noticed, every single game that I've gone to on this tour, I've been sitting in pretty decent seats close to the field. Because at the end of the day, as beautiful and serene and peaceful as it is to sit at the very top level right behind home plate, I'm always going to choose the seats behind the dugout. I'm always going to choose the seats behind home plate. It's just, forgive the expression, a completely different ball game. Now, I've been lucky because of my history of working in sports or, to be completely honest, the fact that 
I'm a single guy who goes to these games mostly by himself, so I can afford to spend a little bit more money on one ticket as opposed to having to spend all of that money for four people or even two people. You know, if I was to bring a date or a buddy or or one of my kids, if I had one, there's no way I'd be sitting where I've been sitting at these games. But here in Minnesota, I saw a lot of young people, a lot of young people on the lower bowl and young people that weren't necessarily there with their parents or with their you know, uh, uh, grandparents or, or what have you. Now, Luke obviously mentioned in an interview that they did get these seats from his buddy's grandma, which is always nice. But I did see some kids that clearly had bought these tickets on their own and were just enjoying themselves at a baseball game. And I think if we get away from that, we're going to lose out on a new generation of ballplayers and a new generation of fans. You know, that's how you become attached to this game. That's how you get the passion that Luke has by being able to sit as close to the field as possible where you can just, you know, you can hear the guys calling out pitches. You can hear the guy in the dugout jawing with each other. You can, you can feel the energy radiating off that field. You know, I, I actually, I, I do love sitting up top. I do think the seats behind home plate in the upper deck are beautiful seats. You get to see the entire play unfold. It is, it is, you know, quite a, a spectacular view. But I can say that because I have a lifetime of going to ball games underneath my belt. I've sat in virtually every seat in most of these stadiums as far as getting a different angle, a different view, a different experience. So I can appreciate the pros and cons of where you're sitting, but nothing will ever beat sitting behind home plate. It just won't. So thank you, Minnesota, and I hope that this is something that you continue to do because I'm telling you, your fan base is going to be loyal to you. They've been loyal to you in the last couple of years and you've been struggling. They're going to be loyal to you when you're doing a little bit better, and it's going to feel all the more exciting when you actually do break through and win yourself your next division crown or pennant or, you know, God willing, World Series here sometime soon. Because all of those fans like Luke and the kids even younger than him that have spent their lives really attaching themselves to your team, that's where fandom is truly born. You know, you heard it in the interview. Luke is talking about the prospects coming up. He knows who the young guys are because he feels a deep connection to these Minnesota Twins. There's a lot of cities, there's a lot of stadiums that I went to where I didn't get to meet a lot of young kids that had the type of comprehensive knowledge of their ball club that Luke had. You know, I'm just talking about this one kid, but I've talked to plenty of kids just like him here in Minnesota. But I'm going to stop myself before I go off on too big of a rant here because I want to try and keep these episodes uh, short and sweet for you guys to listen to. But there is one thing that he brought up that I'm, I'm probably going to mention in a future episode, which is the concept of being a jinx. Uh, <laughs> You can hear the uh, the pain in his voice when the Royals scored a run during our interview, and I feel for him. You know that is something that um, I've I've gotten better with uh, as I've gotten a little bit older. But the feeling of being a jinx is something that I don't know if I'm ever going to fully get over. Um, it it is a I'm not going to say it's unique to baseball because I know a lot of sports fans have their own idiosyncrasies, but superstition is base in baseball is. Is, is so deeply ingrained in the culture that it can be, oh my goodness, it can, it can make watching a ball game one of the most excruciating experiences. Uh, 
in the world. You know, I, I, I just, um, a couple of different crazy instances popped up into my head of when I have felt that I myself have been jinxing my team and <laughs> that I have forced other people to take part in my just lunatic, crazy, ridiculous neuroses when it comes to, all right, I, I got to wear my hat this way, or I've got to stand this way, or, or I've got to, you know, if, if I'm watching the game, I got to shut my left eye because last time I blinked and he hit a home run. And yeah, I'm a crazy person. I know I'm a crazy person. We're all crazy people. I'll get to it in a future episode, but uh, uh, hearing Luke and and hearing the the just devastation in his voice brought back so many painful memories for me as well. So that is something that we all have to look forward to in a future episode. To read more about my experiences at all these stadiums, as well as check out the photos that I've been taking, please check out roundingthird.net. You can follow me uh, on Twitter. I'm at roundingthirdmj. And uh, shoot me an email at roundingthirdpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, honestly, you know, I've gotten some just unbelievable emails from people that have been really touching and really moving. I've also seemed to have touched a nerve with a couple of you as far as being able to really explain what it is that I have right and wrong about your stadiums. You know, if there's something that I've said that you disagree with me about, about your, your ballpark, please let me know. I absolutely love hearing from you guys. So that's once again, that's at rounding third MJ on Twitter and rounding third podcast at gmail.com. Please keep the emails coming. I love reading them. The next stop on my tour is the Milwaukee Brewers. And I actually have seats that I've been looking forward to since I started planning this tour. The seats that I have in Milwaukee are the best seats I've ever sat in in my entire life at any sporting event ever. So I cannot wait for that. So I hope you will join me next time as I continue to round third, heading for home. The home base for the Clubhouse podcast is the Bergino Baseball Clubhouse located at 67 East 11th Street in New York City. Seriously, folks, this is without a doubt my favorite baseball spot in the country. From the baseball-inspired artwork on the walls to the one-of-a-kind memorabilia for sale and the amazing baseball fans that are just hanging out on the bleachers inside the store, this place is the best. If you can't make it into Bergino's in person, please visit Bergino.com and pick up a gift for your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, really anybody in your life, or even just yourself. If you can make it in, make sure you mention the podcast and you'll get a free bag tag with any purchase. You can follow Anthony and I individually at RoundingThirdMJ for me and at AlbinoKid for Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome week. <laughs>